Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, everyone, and uh, a very special welcome perhaps to anyone who has slipped in uh, during the course of the worship time now. My name is Jason, and uh, it's great to be back uh, from a little bit of holiday. We've had a really lovely time away, um, but it is fabulous to be back and great to see everybody um, and lovely to be able to have this opportunity uh, to wrap up this little segment that we have been doing in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, uh, where we have been looking at the supernatural ministry, the miraculous ministry of Jesus in and around uh, the lake, uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is Israel's largest freshwater lake. And so just to say something that's quite important for us to be able to notice as we track through this chapter of Mark chapter 6, we have this amazing movement, um, not just a physical movement, but a, a spiritual awakening almost that we're able to see, where Jesus' ministry in Galilee, his hometown, which ends up being this hostile environment for him and the ministry of the kingdom, now as it sort of comes to its conclusion, ending up in Gennesaret, where we see this entire community, the whole region responding in incredible faith to God. And so this is the, the movement that we're able to see from this hostile reception that Jesus ultimately gets in his hometown right through now to this amazing embracing of his ministry at the end of chapter 6. And I think part of what I have been challenged by as I have been looking through this chapter, uh, and I'm not sure if you want to grab out your Bibles because we're going to be the end of Mark chapter 6 or your tablets or your phones or however you'd like to do it. Uh, the scriptures will be on the screen. We're going to be looking from verse 53 and onwards. But what has really challenged me through this whole section, if you like, as I've been reflecting on it, is the corporate responses that you see to Jesus and Jesus' ministry, where there seems to be whole regions that either are hostile to him or embrace him. Entire cities that seem to be open to him or close to him. And as I have had discussions uh, throughout the course of this week with some of the other pastors in London that I connect with, and just talking about the very real challenge that we have that I'm sure you experience and feel seeking to live a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that's kingdom-focused, that's biblically based in this life and culture that we find ourselves in today. There are real challenges for us living out the supernatural Jesus-shaped life in our community today. Would you say that that's true? The busyness of life, the pace of life, work and financial pressures, the blurring uh, uh, at a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I think is unprecedented in history between uh, work and, and sort of private time and work time. The challenge of rest in a culture that values work and recreation, uh, which are different to rest. 
So recreation and rest are two different things. And so living in a culture that values work and recreation, but in, in, in a large segment of society does not know how to rest and definitely does not know how to rest spiritually. A society that's increasingly hostile to Jesus and the gospel and the person and ministry of the kingdom. And I guess in that regard, is quite similar, though, to the season of Jesus' ministry and the time of the early church. And so I've been looking at what is it that separates the Nazareths from the Gennesarets? What is it that separates the communities that are open to God and open to the kingdom and open to Jesus from those that tend to be closed and seem to shut down what God wants to do? And, and perhaps an even more important question, is there something we can do to shift that culture at a sort of global level, at a macro level? And I think there is. And I think one of the keys to shifting that culture and shifting that corporate response is found in the passage that we're going to look at this morning. I think there's actually one of the keys that we find to, to a reawakening, to spiritual revival, to spiritual awakening that is actually discovered in these verses that we're going to look at this morning. So won't you join with me as we pray? And when we pray, what we, what we do as we come to God's word, we're praying that God would give us understanding, that he would help our spirits to be alive and awake to the Holy Spirit so that the spirit of God can wield the word of God in our lives to bring about the transformation in us that he wants to bring about this morning. I hope you've come today expecting to be changed, expecting to leave different to the way that you walked in, because that's what God does with us every time he meets with us. He actually wants to retool us, reshape us, refill us, and re-envision us for his plans and his purpose for our lives. Amen? Okay, so let's pray together. Lord, we come to you now, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would awaken our inner being, that Holy Spirit, you would come into this time in power. And it would not be my voice that we all hear speaking now, but that we would hear the very voice of the Father as he communicates with each one of us. That God, you would speak to us through your word, that these words would come alive to us and we would sense what the Spirit is saying to the church, to each one of us and to the church, to this church and even to the church in this city in this time. God, we bring our minds and our hearts and our emotions and even our bodies, perhaps people who are tired this morning, we just pray for a refreshing of our whole person as we come under the ministry of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's read this. Uh, Mark chapter 6, going to read from verse 53. Okay. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. So this is an entire region. We're going to look at that more in a moment and more to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. 
and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard that he was. And wherever he came, into the villages, into the cities, or into the countryside, in this region of Gennesaret, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This amazing sort of summary statement that wraps up the season of miraculous ministry around the sea of Galilee. Okay, so uh, here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 6, keys to understanding this. The first thing that we need to note about this passage is it comes on the back of this time that the disciples have had on the lake. Okay, so Jesus has sent the disciples to Bethesda, uh, the short distance that they needed to travel. They get caught up in a storm. Jesus comes to the rescue, and we get this insight that even the disciples' hearts are actually still hard. Isn't that amazing? Even though they've had this time with Jesus, even their hearts are still hard. They are still struggling to understand who Jesus really is and the level of impact that he can have in their lives uh, and in the world. But now they arrive at Gennesaret. This densely populated area, one of the most fertile places in the land of Israel at the time. But they are miles off course. They are miles off course from where Jesus has sent them. So a little map here to kind of show you where they were aiming to go. Um, And we have this note from William Lane in his commentary. He says, although the disciples had rode rode towards Bethesda a short distance From the northeast corner of the lake, the strong headwind appears to have driven them severely southwards. You ever ended up miles off course from where God wants you to be because you hit a storm in your life? Anyone uh, able to say they've been there? Okay, well, you're in good company because physically that's exactly what has happened to the disciples. What is amazing for me to see is that though the people they're going to have no forewarning that Jesus is coming, often there was, there was a forewarning that Jesus would be coming into a particular place and he sends his disciples on ahead of him. But that's not the case here. No one knew that he was going to be coming into this community and yet instantly he arrives, they recognize him. And we see them drop everything that they are doing and run around the entire community. There is this amazing faith response to the arrival of Jesus in their community. And so I want to say something about recognizing Jesus when he comes. Because not only do these people recognize a man get off a boat with a bunch of his mates, they see something that is more significant than that. And the response they have is to get around and go, right, there is this faith response we recognize if we can get our friends and our family and our community to this man and this group of people, the lives of our loved ones are going to be transformed. And it's so striking for me to see the difference in the response of the people of Nazareth, the people who'd grown up with Jesus, who cannot see past him being the carpenter's son, to this group of people 
who recognize him at the very least to be a prophet of God. And perhaps even the Messiah come among us. And they seem to be able to believe that this man can actually help us. And we need to do whatever we can do to get the people we care about to him. And so I've had this question in my heart as I've been reflecting on this. Obviously, it's not quite the same for us because we don't have a physical Jesus step into the car park this morning and walk into the service with us. That would be amazing. But in the busyness of my day, in the busyness of your week, in the intensity of our schedules, in the clutter of this loud and intensely stimulating world that we live in, can I recognize Jesus when he looks to get my attention? When he, if you like, walks into the lounge, into the office, into the car, onto the train, into a business meeting, can I be tuned in enough in the spirit, can my heart be soft enough to him to recognize him when he comes? And as I say, I know it's different for us. We don't have Jesus the man with his disciples step off the boat onto the shore. But they didn't know the whole story yet. They were also taking a radical step of faith because all they saw was a man. And they didn't know the whole story like we do. And if you've put your faith and your trust in God, then you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that you are now a person of the wind, a child of the kingdom, that you are able to sense the movements of God, that we have been designed and destined to commune with God. We've been seated with him in heavenly places. When we pray, we don't pray to a God who is far away but a God who is inhabiting the very temple of our lives, who is right with us. How much more should we be able to recognize God when he looks to grab our attention, to call us to pray? I was uh, away on holiday and, and I got woken up in the night, just the sense that I needed to pray into something. I, I believe that was God saying, Jason, I, I want to meet with you now. I'm thinking, it's two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and it's holiday time. No, this is an opportunity to meet with my Lord and my King and to pray and to connect with Him. To stop, to thank Him. Those of you who have uh, perhaps done the prayer course with Pete Grieg, we have been doing it as a, as a uh, connect group in, in our midweek time. And he tells the story of sort of walking down the road and, and God coming along to him and, and just saying, Pete, do you see that tree? over there. And he says, well, you know, yes, Lord. And he was expecting this incredible revelation of, of God to now speak to him profoundly out of, out of this tree in some way. Is it going to be his sort of burning bush moment in his life? And he just sensed the Lord say, I quite like that tree too. <laughs> it's one of mine. <laughs> Isn't it great? And it was just this opportunity for him to stop and to thank God for what he has made and, and for creation. Do we, do we allow God to interrupt our day to do that? To take a moment to listen to him, 
You know, maybe you sat down for a Netflix binge, you know, and you've got your pizza and your drinks and your popcorn. And just in that moment, God's, you know, I'd love to speak to you about something. Are we able to be sensitive to just take a moment in the busyness of our schedule and to be with him, to see him for who he is? The God of miracles, yes, and also the Lord who leads me, the God who has forgiven me, who reconnects me with God himself, that I have a relationship with the creator of the universe who was and who is and who is coming again. The one who restores my soul, who leads me by quiet waters, who actually knows my true identity and purpose in life. Because he's the one who made me. And he knows what I'm destined for. Now I've shared uh, with people before, I think, the story of um, being on the golf course. And, and I love being with people. You know I love being with people. And I love connecting with people. Uh, and I love connecting with people on the golf course, actually, as well. It's lovely. Um, uh, but but I'm also can can sometimes be a little bit introverted, and I get recharged being on my own, and and I like to get out and just walk with God, or or take time out, and and sometimes that's what I need. And so I'd planned in my schedule to have this sort of alone time on the golf course. It was going to be a little uh, Jason recharge moment, and I was about to tee off, and this group of young guys kind of came up and said, "Hi, could we join you? Would that be okay?" And, and my instant, I'll be honest, flesh reaction was, oh no. <laughs> and, and, and in that moment, I just sensed the Lord say, Jason, this is a me time. I've set this up. Be open to what I'm going to do. And so I didn't say, oh no, to them. I said, that would be fantastic. I'd love to do that. Come on, let's do it. And, and for 18 holes, I got to connect with these guys that I never would have been able to connect with. And ultimately, to be able to share with them about my faith and invite them to come along. And I haven't seen them yet, but maybe, maybe they will. And what an amazing moment. And I wonder how many opportunities like that I've missed or we've missed because we haven't recognized him. As he has stepped into our schedule and said, you know what, I've got a plan for this time. And you won't believe it, but it's better than the plan that you had. Because I can do something in this time that you never could. And I guess it raises this question. What do you believe Jesus can do for your friends and your family and this community and this city and our nation? See, the people at Gennesaret, they saw Jesus arrive and they saw a chance for the people that they cared about, lives to be transformed. What are you seeing? What do you see when you connect with Jesus? What do you believe he wants to do for your family, for your friends, for your work colleagues, for the people that you recreate with on the tennis court, on the golf course, on the bowls green? What do you believe that he wants to do for them? You know, I think part of the reason that this culture has become so switched off to God is because the church, and by the church, I mean you and me and everyone else across this nation that's put their faith in God, in Jesus. We are the ones who are meant to be able to dynamically recognize Jesus when he comes to meet with us. And we're meant to be the ones who know how 
desperately important it is for people to connect with God. And I think we may have lost sight of how desperately people need Jesus. That sin actually separates us from God. And without Jesus, we face something even worse than the worst kind of illness that any of the people in Gennesaret would have been running around to fetch their people, to bring them to Jesus for. An eternity under God's judgment separated from Him because of the way that we have chosen to live in offense of the way that God has called us to live. And the one who can actually make a difference comes among us and we miss him. We miss him because our hearts are not open and not sensitive and not soft. At least if your hearts are anything like mine. You know, I've been amazed at our role in other people encountering God. In this account, it's fascinating to me to see the significance of the role of those who see Jesus in the lives of those who need Jesus. Because they run out to fetch them and they bring them back. And not only that, they're imploring Jesus, won't you let these people touch you so that their lives can be transformed? I think God is calling us. Would you say this is true? That God is calling us in this time to see him, to recognize him, to know him, and then to run around and fetch people and pray and pray that God would encounter them and that they would know him too. You know, I I said in the beginning that I think there's a key in this passage to revival, to spiritual renewal in our community. What does it look like to cultivate expectation in a climate of hardship where we're so connected with people's suffering? We're so connected with, with all of these other ideas about God. This is, a, this is a difficult time to be living out a kingdom-focused life. And yet, as I have read about spiritual awakenings, revivals, be they in, in this nation um, or in others around the world, what you inevitably find is a group of people that became convinced, and it's often not a big group of people to begin with, but you find a group of people that have become convinced of their desperate need for God, and this desperate desire to connect with Him, and to know Him, and to love Him, and to see the people that are around them connect with God too. And they get focused enough on God to see him for who he is. And they choose to be brave enough to swim against the culture of their time and introduce people to the life and ministry of the kingdom of God and Jesus its king. I I am hoping that I and we can be a Gennesaret kind of church that recognizes Jesus for who he is and so loves him that we run all over Sutton 
and all over Banstead and all over Tadworth and all over Croydon and all over Epsom and even as far as Surbiton for those of us who are that far out and right across the city and wherever we work and wherever we recreate and wherever our holiday homes are and we take the kingdom of God to people that they might meet the king and their lives be transformed and the climate of this nation be shifted as we see him for who he is. Does that sound too big for God? I think God wants us to be dreaming big with him as we connect with him, that we would be strengthened in our inner being to know the height and breadth and depth of the love of God And that we would see him do above and beyond what we could even hope or imagine in the church for his glory. That's what I'm praying for. And so I want to pray for us. We're going to take a time to worship. Maybe the team, do you want to come up? But I want to pray for us. For an openness to the spirit. And a sensitivity to God. That we would recognize him. As he comes among us in our day, in our work, as we're ministering to those who are broken and hurting and those who seem to have everything and yet are desperately in need of spiritual awakening. To pray for that, to pray for our awareness to God and who needs perhaps some bravery as we walk this out and courage. The disciples did as they prayed, God, give us boldness. And I think the church needs boldness in this time. I know I do. I've been trying to do this this week with people in my family and people I know, and it's not easy, but it is powerful. And it is what God has called us to do. And we will see transformation as we bring people to connect with God. Should we stand together? I want to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here this morning and you can say, you know what? I do need to be brave. And I do feel afraid. And I do need to be filled with the Spirit. Because I do need to be more sensitive and soft to God. And maybe you want to just Open your hands to the Lord and just raise them to him. I don't mind really how you do it. Maybe you want to kneel or just raise your hands right up to God. However you want to just bring your body before the Lord and say, God, I recognize that I need you this morning. I need you to come and meet with me. And I need to touch the hem of your cloak and receive your ministry afresh. In my life. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, would you come and just begin to fill us? Just come and and begin to work and to move in this place. We just invite you, Lord. We don't want to rush this.
cry out to you, God. Break our hearts where they've become hard. Renew our minds, Lord, where they've been trapped. Heal us, God, where the scars of our own brokenness right now prevent us from receiving your love and your embrace. God, we pray for spiritual revival in this land. We pray for a spiritual awakening. God, I pray for an awakening in this wider church. I pray for an awakening in Sutton, in Belmont, in Carshelton, in Tadworth, in Epsom, right across the city, God. We pray for the other churches that are meeting this morning across our land. God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit among your people. Lord, we pray as your people come together to pray for this land, for this nation. We pray for soul survivor that's happening now, that's happening. We pray for all of those from our church that are going to be going up to soul survivor, meeting with thousands of other young people across the country to pray and to worship to connect with you, God. Lord, we pray that you would come in this land. We pray that you would reach out. We pray that you would break our hearts, Lord. We pray that you would show us the brokenness of this land. We pray that you would give us boldness to share the gospel afresh. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see you high and lifted up, that you are the God of all creation, that you are crying out to this land, that you are crying out to us to come and repent, to be changed, to be transformed. May the church in this time not be asleep, but be awake to you, Lord. We pray, come in this place. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we would be alive to you, alive to you, alive to you, God. May we sense the breath of heaven the touch of the Spirit, the reality and power of the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.